Now, how do you how do you see yourself? I mean, I see videos about you, about public speaking, about selling, about nutrition, about special effects. Who are you? How do you see yourself as as an entrepreneur? Or you, you know, just? Um, well, you also work for Tony Robbins, I believe. I, I toured with Tony for about a year, year and a half, uh, teaching uh, entrepreneurship and business and marketing and stuff at his seminars. It was a real a treat because he'd been such a big influence on me at the age of 18. So to be invited to come and teach on his stages uh, and to get to know him and, and develop a friendship was a real honor. A uh, really neat guy to work with, for sure. Um, how do I see myself? I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm ultimately an adventure explorer, fun seeker. I, I believe that you know, this, this whole thing that people have, like, you have to find your purpose in life. Peter, I have this very special coaching process that I do with people to help them find their purpose in life. Would you like me to help you find yours? <laughs> I could do it right now. Yeah. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. I am. So now listen, and it's important that we maintain good eye contact for this. I'm just, I'm trying to get a feeling of who you are. Breathe calmly. I'm, it's coming to me now. I'm feeling it through the, through the ether, through the universe. It's Peter's purpose in life is coming through. It's coming through. Peter? Yes? Your, purpo your purpose in life is to enjoy it. In January 2020, I saw a couple of your presentations through Mind Valley, and uh, you were talking there about the relationship with food. And I started 90 days, and I can say that I really am so grateful of your 90-day program because uh, it really sticks and it uh, it helped me a lot. Now, what I don't understand is where did you get that idea of? a health nutrition energy program because in the past if i'm correct you're a serial entrepreneur and you did uh, you had a company serving uh, special effects for hollywood and also public speaking where comes that fascination to start a health nutrition program i i think it starts like this for me and that is that anything that you want to do in life begins with your health okay if you want to be a professional athlete it's your health you want to be a great parent it's your health you want to be a great entrepreneur, it's your health. You need to be healthy, you need to be strong, you need to have energy, your mind has to work well, you have to have a good memory, good cognition. And all of those things start with functional health. And so, you know, what happened for me in my early 20s was I, uh, I was not healthy. And uh, you know, I, I started to recognize that to achieve what I wanted to achieve in life, I was going to have to have more energy and, be, and not be sick and be in good shape. And, and so, you know, when I went through that process, uh, um, it changed everything for me. And now, like, it's funny, I, I do high end, occasionally, I'll do still these days a little bit of high end coaching or consulting with people. But I'll tell you, I don't care how big they are, company is or how successful they are. The first thing we talk about is their health. If they're having mood problems, guess what? It's about their food. If they're having energy problems, guess what? It's about their food. So it's to me, it's the foundation of everything. Okay. And um... One of, for me, the, 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 the eye-openers was the fact that you actually brought back the definition of diet to its original meaning. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, I, I think that um, sometimes, sometimes time um, creates a perspective about things like that. And, um, you know, the word diet has two different meanings. One is as a noun that we use. Well, I guess in both ways it's a noun, but we also now have it as a verb. 
So I'm, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to go on a diet. It's a vow, or I'm dieting, and you suddenly go, I'm, I'm dieting. Well, that's not how it ever used to work before. Diet, the traditional, traditional meaning of the word diet, is way of life. And, and, you know, the best way really to describe this is that if you're watching a nature program and the announcer comes on and he's like, oh, look, there's a zebra walking through the field. Its diet is to eat grass. Like, that's its diet. It's not like, oh, look, the zebra's eating grass because it's got the prom coming up and it's going to try and fit into its stripes. You know, like, its diet is the way that it lives. And the only animals that go on diets are people and pets, and we're the sickest animals in the world. Okay. But, uh, but also the fact that uh, another thing that I learned was the, that I had that old belief that if you want to uh, get in shape, you must exercise and you must sport a lot, focus a little bit on the food, but especially exercise. But for you, exercise with a bad, a bad uh, of malnutrition is actually a very bad thing or a bad recipe. Where did you get this? It's also from when you were 20? Well, obviously, when I was 20, I went through this transformation. And that yeah. just, that's when I started doing all this research. Like, so it's been a 30-year journey uh, to get to where we are, to get to why WildFit works so effectively and so on. But, 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 but a lot of times, it's just straight a matter of common sense. Like, you know, think about it this way. Um, you know, if you're about to take your car on a long drive, mm. which is like exercise, mm -hmm. yeah. then what would you do? Like, you know, are you in the Netherlands? Belgium. Oh, you're in Belgium. Okay. So, so if you're in Belgium and you now want to drive to the South of France, it's going to take you two or three days, right? Yep. So, so what are you going to do with the car before that? Well, I think you're going to check the tire pressure. Mm. You're going to make sure you fill up the tank with gas. You're going to make sure the oil is good and clean, fresh and up to the right levels. You're going to check your antifreeze fluid. You're going to check your windshield washer fluid. You're going to make sure the car has everything it needs to make the journey. Mm -hmm. Now, what a lot of people do is they go, oh, I got to make the journey. And the journey for them is, say, getting healthy or losing weight. And they just get in the car and start driving it. They just get in the car and start. They didn't check the tire. They didn't change the oil. They didn't change anything. And so guess what? The car breaks down. And so what happens for a lot of people is they, they've been sold the lie that they can exercise their way to health. Yeah. Well, that lie, by the way, was created by the food industry to make sure they could keep selling you sugar and keep selling you food. Yeah. But, but the real truth of it is, is that if you don't handle your nutrition first, which is to say, if you're not well hydrated, if you don't have the right kind of energy, and if you don't have the right kind of non-energy nutrients, and if you've got a bunch of toxic crap in your system, then when you exercise, first of all, your body breaks, and secondly, your body can't even repair itself properly because it's missing the things it needs. So it's just that simple. Exercise will not make anybody healthy, but it will take a healthy person to make them healthier. Okay. Um uh, what, what can you explain? Because the, your program, I, I don't know anybody who has actually used it uh, from the people that I know. But can you can you explain why people are having such so great success with it? Because it's I I, I was addicted to sugar, and I could not resist it. I really needed it, and uh, I'm not talking about Coca-Cola or sugar drinks, but really some chocolate or something else. And right now. I mean, it's very strange. French fries, I don't like the taste anymore. Sugar, it doesn't say anything. Um, I don't eat any rice anymore. And that's because of you. Can you explain the success of that? And why other, I wouldn't call it diets, because that was not the goal for me, are actually designed so that they fail, so that you redo it again, 
and why that's yours is working? There's a couple of different ways to look at this. Um, but on one level, imagine that you're going to university and you're studying something and the professor is unengaging and boring and difficult yeah. and gives you assignments in the first weeks that are too difficult. You're going to drop out of that class. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it's going to be. But if you go to that class and the professor is engaging and enjoyable and starts you off small, gets you feeling like you're getting somewhere, allows you to have some measured progress step by step by step, then there's a better chance that you stay in the class and there's a better chance you finish the class. What we did with WildFit was we grabbed good nutritional information, much of which is available through other sources. Listen, mm -hmm. I was very early on the, in fact, I wrote my first essay on evolutionary diets before the paleo diet was ever published. Like I was a very early pioneer in the thinking about what to eat and what not to eat. But that wasn't enough to solve the problem. You see, there are some people that will read something like that or listen to that kind of advice and they'll have the willpower and, and then they'll go and make the change. But they are the smallest percentage of the population. The vast majority of people know to eat more of this and less of this, but they don't. They don't because they've been hypnotized, conditioned, they've been advertised at and manipulated, and they've been falsely educated by a food industry that's lobbied to influence their education. So, you know, we're, we're at a place where people are a bit confused and their habits have been bought and paid for. And so what I had to do is decode all that. I had to try to figure out why it was that people were eating things they wish they wouldn't eat. And so that's the, the, the reason ultimately the programs is that I started with a different question. Most diets start with the question of how do I lose weight mm -hmm. or what, what food should I stop eating? They start with a very limited view. Look, I'll put it to you another way. Elon Musk, he didn't, he didn't start getting involved in space exploration because he wanted to start a space, tra a space transport company. He, he did it because he wanted people to live on Mars one day. Yep. So because he has that vision, in fact, if we look at what's going on in America right now, a lot of people don't really understand. Martin Luther King, yes, he had a larger vision for equality, a larger vision for civil liberties, and a larger vision for, for, for social justice. But he actually also had a very clear vision that he described as little white girls and little white boys holding hands and playing with little black girls and little black uh, boys like brothers and sisters on the street. That was his vision. And so I had a different vision. My vision wasn't, you're going to lose weight. My vision was, we're going to give you your freedom and your power with food. And as okay. a consequence of that, if you have weight to lose, you're going to lose it. If you want to gain weight, you're going to gain it. If you have symptoms, you're going to get rid of them. If you have a disease, you're going to recover from it, and so on. And do you have then also a bigger vision or purpose as you as a serial entrepreneur that you say, I want to have a positive impact on humanity and health is one of them? Yeah, without question. Listen, a huge amount of the pain and suffering that we have on earth today is because we have a broken idea of what food is. We have a disastrous food production, food manufacturing, food processing, and food regulation system. We have unbelievably unconscionable and unethical food marketing and food lobbying practices. And we have bought and paid for governmental regulations and education programs. Mm -hmm. So we are at a place where there's a wholesale failure. And what's it causing us? Well, now we have disastrous healthcare systems around the world. Look, I'm going to say something a little bit unpopular, particularly even more unpopular in Europe. I don't agree with the current ideas about universal health care. I don't agree. 
I don't agree. I agree that everybody has the right to have health care. I believe that that is a right. I believe that as a society, we should be able to create a circumstance where people have access to health care. The challenge I have at the moment is this. If you think about car insurance, you have the choice of where to buy your car insurance from. And if you found out that this company over here was selling car insurance to teenage boys with five speeding tickets and two car crashes, and they were charging you the same amount, you wouldn't buy the insurance from that company mm -hmm. because you would know you were paying an increased level of insurance for the irresponsibility of that person. Well, you know what? Speaking of French fries and speaking of both, say, Belgium and the Netherlands, I saw this tweet from a Dutch person about a month and a half ago. I choose to eat French fries and mayonnaise and none of you can stop me. Okay. You're right, we shouldn't stop you, but we shouldn't be forced to participate in the same healthcare funding system that you're in. Yeah. We shouldn't be forced to be in the same healthcare system as people who choose to eat at McDonald's or Kentucky Fried Chicken or any of those places. What I'm suggesting is, is that this problem is a systemic problem that is causing the strain on the healthcare system. And if you really wanna go there, I believe that it's the entire reason for the pandemic lockdown. Yeah. See. Uh, look, I've looked at the statistics. I've been mining through this stuff. I, over nine, no, 11 weeks ago, I released a video saying, if you want to protect yourself from COVID-19, yeah, you should so. change your relationship with food. And do you know what? Doctors and scientists attacked me. They're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Nah, it's not, that's not how immunology works and blah, blah, blah. Guess what we found out in the three months since? In order to die from COVID-19, 50% of the people who die from COVID-19 have three other diseases. 25% have two other diseases. Another 25% have one other disease, which means almost nobody dies of COVID-19 if they're not already diseased by the food industry. Yeah. And so, yes, I have a larger mission, and the larger mission is to reduce the strain on the medical system, to boost global herd immunity, not through vaccines. That's a different conversation. It's a personal choice. But through making sure the population is healthy. All these people that are saying, yes, there should be mandatory vaccines in order to create herd immunity. Well, if we can make mandatory vaccines, I'm suggesting if the government has the right to force somebody to inject something into their body, don't they also have the right to force people to eat properly? Yeah. No, they don't. But they can create better education, yeah. better regulation, and better taxation models that yeah. would penalize. Here's what's crazy, Peter. Why is the junk food cheaper than the healthy food? Yeah. But it starts in school. Eh? My, my son is almost three years. And at 10, he gets or uh, water or he gets orange juice or um, chocolate milk. I don't want chocolate milk. It's pure sugar, but it's normal. That's what people believe. Yeah, it's normal, but it's not normal. So it starts already there. Yeah. And also another thing that you were mentioning is the, the doctors. I mean, yeah, doctors, eh, respect for them, but they, stu they studied diseases and bodies, but they didn't, they, they didn't study nutrition. Peter, I, I want to say this so clearly because I think anybody who goes off to become a doctor must, I mean, the, the financial investment they put in, the, 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 the work they put in, the hours they put in, they clearly, clearly want to help people. I have no question about yeah. that. But if I were a doctor today, having spent my six to 10 years in medical school and suddenly realized that I have this piece of paper that allows me to be a doctor, but that nobody taught me about food and nutrition, which is how it is, then I would want my money back. 
I would then say that my entire medical education has been missing the single most important feature of a medical education, and that is the prevention of disease. Yep. Now, I'm grateful that there are doctors out there that have, that have studied symptomology and have studied disease from the perspective of healing from it and recovering from it. I just a few months ago, right before the lockdown, I required an emergency appendectomy in the middle of the bush in Africa. Thank God there was a doctor there who'd studied. But at the same time, I take a look at all the doctors I visited in my 20s for, 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 for maybe six, seven, eight, almost 10 years, I was visiting doctors and every single one of them prescribing a pill, prescribing an injection, prescribing a cream, prescribing surgery. Not one of them, not ever, not once asked me what I ate. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I had that same problem also. Eh? I had lack of energy, was tired all the time. And for the doctors, I was in perfectly good condition. Changed eating. And I compared to my wife, we did not follow the program. And the comparison is there. I have more clarity, more energy. I sleep better. And um, it, it sounds strange because in these times of Corona, so I do a lot of video calls. And then people see me drinking this. And this is created by you. And they say, what are you drinking? And then I tell what's in it. And they're like, ah. And I say, it really tastes great. And it's the, the non-fruit uh, alkalizer. So, um, and, and, and I was like, I am never going to like cucumber and, and avocados and, and a drink with water. But I absolutely adore it. So then I was really baffled by the fact that I have been lied to all my life because if now I find this delicious and suddenly a potato, which isn't actually a real food for a human being, then, then, then for me, it was like, what are all the other lies that I'm believing in this life? Not only about food. Eh? Now yeah. I'm going to jump onto the, um, the, the thing in Africa. So you're born in South Africa, I believe. Yes. Correct. So you can speak a little something like Dutch or something of South Afrikaans. Uh, you know, I can't speak Afrikaans. It's great. It's pretty close. But, now, you know, I, I, I understand it well enough that when my parents used to gossip about me, I could, because it was my first language, but once we moved to Canada, it sort of slipped away. Uh, but uh, when my parents used to gossip about me in Afrikaans, I could, you know, kind of just, I could pick out the right number of words. And funny enough, when I do travel around the Netherlands, I can read quite a lot of Dutch, but the pronunciation in Dutch compared to Afrikaans is so different. Yeah, but I'm from Belgium but, and, and the region where I live is very close to South It's Afrikaans. more like Afrikaans, I know. Yeah, yeah, Here's yeah. my question for you. Um, what, how, what do you call diabetes where you live? Diabetes, suikersikte. Suikersikte, you call it sugar sickness. Yes. You see, it's so interesting. Like it's also in Dutch, it's a similar word, right? It's, you call it's it same, sugar same, sickness. Eh? The same, eh? We know that it's sugar sickness, but most people over here that are, they get, they, they, oh, you have diabetes. They're not told that it's sugar sickness. You know, they're not yeah. told that it was something that is not a disease, but rather, rather it's more like an injury caused by eating too, many, too much sugar too regularly. Now, um, on, on a social level, you have children or you have a daughter, I believe, eh? I have a 22-year-old son and I have a nearly four-year-old daughter. Okay. Now, I mean, in, in a social context... I mean, do you have now children who also, uh, children, friends who also um, going for that wildlife lifestyle? Um, I mean, when there's a party or something, don't you, I mean, don't you ever drink any alcohol anymore or don't you eat any ice creams anymore or pizzas? 
Well, it's Speaking all different things. So I, I'll deal with all three of those. Alcohol, I stopped having alcohol um, almost 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I chose to stop having alcohol because I just didn't like it. I wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't have a problem with alcohol. I did get quite drunk one night and I felt quite sick the next morning. And I was like, I don't like this anymore. And mm -hmm. so I just stopped. It had nothing to do with Wild Fit. It was just my own desire to not have a relationship with alcohol. I'd also watched many members of my family battle with alcohol seriously. And I just okay. decided I didn't want to have a relationship with it. That said, in the Wild Fit community, we don't tell people they can never, as you know, we don't tell people they can never drink alcohol mm -hmm. again. That's ridiculous. We just want people to have a conscious relationship with alcohol. You know, and, and, and so that's what we're really trying to introduce for people. Freedom. Freedom to have what you want, when you want, as much as you want, and freedom from any guilt or resentment or, or regret. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also want you to have freedom to not eat or drink what you wish you wouldn't eat or drink without any feelings of, of resentment or regret there either. Mm -hmm. So in my case, in the case of alcohol, I don't have any of that. I'm free. I don't want it. I don't care. I don't miss it. I'm not using willpower. I just don't do that. Same thing with ice cream. I have chosen not to have ice cream in my life. I haven't had it for also almost 30 years, around about the same time. I, I just choose not to do that. I don't want those dairy products in my system. I don't want the sugar. I've just decided I don't do that. I don't miss it. I don't regret it. I'm free. Mm -hmm. What I will do is have dairy-free ice cream sometimes. I, I might have a, an, you know, an almond milk ice cream. I'm not pretending that's healthy. I'm just saying, I, I'm not saying there's no room for treats. I just, everybody has to choose what their threshold is. And pizza, as you mentioned, is a good example. I, I, I was in Italy. I went to Italy with some friends. One of the nicest trips I've had in years. I go off to Italy and we're out, we're out um, I'm out with some friends and we, we're sitting at a little cafe and we're like, should we get a pizza? I haven't had a pizza in years. And so we ordered pizza, but I don't do dairy products. So we ordered the pizza without cheese. Now for people living like in cheese countries, like America or Belgium or the Netherlands, maybe it sounds crazy to not have cheese on your pizza. But if you're in Italy, you know, where they invented the pizza, it's actually normal not yeah, to have yeah, yeah. pizza on the, not to have cheese on the pizza. So I'm kind of going, is it okay if I order this without cheese? And he's like, this one doesn't come with cheese anyway. <laughs> and so we had some and and but i choose not to eat bread on any kind of regular basis but occasionally it's fine that's how wildfit works wildfit is not some like fascist you follow these rules and if not the community judges you and you're a bad person no it's about freedom yeah but i i i, I believe that that 90 day and i it's for me over since one month and I'm still, I would say, addicted to the to the green stuff and all the the rules, but I don't have any. Not what you're saying, eh? I don't have any desire to eat. No, it just it doesn't say anything. Whereas in the past, it was like it's what you explained with the pancake on Sunday thing. Eh? It's I, I when you become conscious about it, because I, before I was not even aware of that. Then you're starting that inner dialogue of that, and that's for me the biggest discovery of all. Um, and both ways, eh, on the positive side, but also on the negative side, they're not feeling any, any guilt. Now, another question. What is so attractive? What do you find so attractive of hunting with the wild men in Africa? You know, um, so as we mentioned earlier, I was, I was born in South Africa. And mm -hmm. um, so I've been deeply fascinated with the, um, uh, deeply fascinated by the, uh, you know, human history and, 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 
and the uh, and the natural bush and and you know going out on safari ever since I was small. And then it turns out that my great grandfather uh, Thomas Dreyer discovered the earliest Homo sapien skull in okay. the history of Earth up until recently. And, um, and so I was always really interested in human history. And uh, then one day I got this invitation and um, I was, I used to run these leadership programs where I would take companies or take groups of people up Kilimanjaro. And, um, and so we came off one of our Kilimanjaro leadership programs. And then um, the logistics partner we had said, well, I've done some Googling about you and you're, you seem to be quite interested in social anthropology, evolutionary biology. Would you like to go meet some Bushmen? And, you know, I'd seen the movie, the gods must be crazy, which is, you know, one of my favorites. And I was like, really? There's a chance to, and so, uh, you know, many, many years ago now, 10 years ago, we went to go visit with the Hadza Bushmen for the very first time. And I, I don't want to romanticize it and say, oh, look, I'm now seeing the way our ancestors lived. No, mm-hmm. but I'm seeing the closest representation possible to the way our ancestors lived compared to the way we lived. And so it was really fascinating to go in and spend time with them and observe how they go hunting and observe how they, observe, uh, observe how they go gathering and, and looking at the, cl- the, the clan dynamics and parenting and relationships. It's really been interesting to observe. I've, I've now visited them many, many times over the last 10 years. In fact, I was just with them right before the lockdown for two full weeks. And it was absolutely fascinating. I'll tell you, there's a part of your DNA. I can actually show you something here. There's a part of your DNA that when you get there and you, you get to experience this, like this is an activity that's been going on for thousands and thousands of years, getting ready to go out on the hunt. You know, heading out onto the trail to go out and get lunch for the day. You know, when you, when you have that experience, it just creates a level of, of um, perspective about life. And I've enjoyed, go- I, th- those trips have been among my favorite times of my life over the last 10 years. And except from the lessons you learned about food there, because they say, hey, of course, they have a complete other way of living. It's not like breakfast and, and lunch. What are the other things that you learn from them? Because you're talking about um, um, yeah, children um, or, um, or the tribes or the, the interrelationships. Work. Like, you know, we don't have to do very much work to get our food. But, you know, when you're out there with them, like everything requires effort. You know, there's no Uber Eats. There's no food delivery. There's no grocery store. You know, you want to you wanna go, you wanna go hunting, you're going to have to make a bow. You're going to have to work at it. Like this is like this is like daily activity for these guys. You're going to have, this is work every day. They're working physically, using their muscles, using their muscles, working, making a fire. It requires effort. And so, you know, on a given day to go out hunting, you're talking about walking a minimum 10 to 15 miles a day, uh, 20, 30 kilometers a day, minimum. And 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 so the 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 idea that we have to move around is, um, is so clear when you visit them. And, and, then, and then you mentioned parenting. Yeah, like the way they look at parenting is so different than we do. They don't regard children as children. They regard them as small adults. So they don't try to parent them. They just try to protect them from their smallness. In other words, if they need help reaching something, they'll help them. But if they're starting to walk toward the fire, they won't stop them. Yeah, if you want to go play with the fire, you can play with the fire. Because you know what? They only make that mistake once. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that it's a good idea to let your kid go get burnt on the fire. I'm just saying that there's something we can learn about a more detached parenting model. In fact, I, 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 I'm such a non-fan of attachment parenting 
because I think that the idea is sound, that children should feel a good, solid sense of healthy attachment, but it shouldn't be the one parent who's like helicoptering over them the entire time. It should be a sense of attachment to their community. And then of course, relationships are fascinating as well. Every Bushman camp we've been to has two fires, at least, one for the men and one for the women. And they barely ever speak to each other. And they speak in very different patterns. The women talk about, I, I've been, I sit around their fire and I ask for translation. And they're usually talking about weather patterns and where different fruits are ripening and where the root vegetables are available, what the political things are going on in the clan, in the clan who's having a relationship with whom and which parents are doing this. Like they're, they're doing all that stuff. Then over at the men's fire, you get the translation there. You know what they're talking about? They're talking about the great hunting trips, the big battles, the huge storms they've been through. They're, they're, it's very much like we see. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so it's been really fascinating to watch these little moments and see how we've diverged from it. And I suspect that at times, if we can find a way to, to not go back to that, mm -hmm. but to bring some of that stuff forward to us, I think we can really improve our quality of life. Now, you, you just uh, used the word conscious. And um, for me, as conscious is a step to consciousness, which is also really in the, in the mind valley thing. I mean, a lot of people and a lot of companies now are talking about purpose and mission. I mean, do you think then that it's the, the mission or the purpose of a, a wild man running around every day searching for food? That's his meaning of life. Whereas we are you know, more like that fulfillment thing. I, I've got to know the chief quite well now. We're, we're quite good friends. And, um, and so a couple of times I've sat down and actually like had deep conversations with him and recorded them, you know, like uh, with, you know, so that I have the notes and the videos and stuff. And I asked him once um, what the purpose of life was. And, uh, and funny enough, the reason I asked him this is that before I went on the trip, I wrote to a bunch of my friends and said, look, I'm going off to visit with the Bushmen again. Would anybody like to send questions? And lots of my friends sent me, can you ask him this? Can you ask this? It was a great way to get the questions, right? And, um, and so Tony Robbins sent me two questions to ask. And the one question was, what was the, what's the purpose of life? And the other question was, what happens after you die from their beliefs? Mm -hmm. So I said to him, you know, what's the purpose of life? And he says to me, again, obviously through a translator, but he says to me, uh, your purpose of life is to be the best version of you that you possibly can be. Wow. Yeah, the guy should have his own YouTube channel. I mean, that, <laughs> that's like, that's some serious wisdom right there, right? But, you know, because there's translation and stuff, I wanted to get more clear. So I said, okay, but... Tell me, what does that mean? Because like you're a Bushman and I'm say a city dweller. So like what? And he goes, well, my responsibility is to be the best possible Bushman and I'm the chief. So it's my responsibility, the best possible chief and I'm a hunter. So it's my responsibility to be the best possible hunter that I can be. And you're a city dweller. So you should focus on being the best possible city dweller you can be. Wow. Okay. It seems like what he teaches is consistent here. So then I said to him, yeah, but right now I'm a city dweller visiting you here. What should I do? And he goes, you should be the best possible city dweller visiting us here. You know, it's like so simple to him, you know, so clean. But then I asked him, I said, well, yeah, but what if I wanted to become a Bushman? And then he's like, <laughs> you'd never be able to handle it. Now, now it's funny because I took some friends of mine with me And I asked the same question and he laughed at them. They'd never, and he goes, he might be able to pull it off because I've been spending the last 10 years yeah. visiting with them. But he, again, the answer was, if you wanted to become a Bushman, your responsibility would be become the very best Bushman you could be. 
And then, so then I gave him Tony's second question. What happens after you die? And he says, we move the village. And I, I said, I, I don't think you understand the question. Why, first of all, why do you move the village? And he goes, well, you died. You're going to stink. So we move the village. <laughs> I go, okay, no, you clearly didn't understand the question. I didn't say it properly. I'm not asking what happens to you. I'm asking what happens to me when I die. And he goes, we leave you here and we move the village. <laughs> and I said, okay, okay. I'm talking about like, not my body, but like what happens to me after I, my body's dead? And he goes, nothing, you're dead. That's simple. And it was really interesting to just listen to him in this matter of fact way say, when it's over, it's over. And it, I just found that really fascinating. Like he's so clear about mission and so clear about purpose and he's not needing to delude himself with some you know, promise of reward in the afterlife. I'm not, I, you know, look, I'm not arguing against any set of beliefs. I'm just saying that's, his, he, was so, he was so stoic. It was quite interesting. So you, you think we and the, the West and I generalize, we are making things too complex? You know, in a weird way, we kind of have to, you know, in, in, in some way we kind of have to. I mean, look, it's easy to glorify the way they live, but think about this. While they would not do this today because they've been educated to some degree about society and that there are, and, you know, people have become so compressed. But, you know, even up to about 100 years ago, if you were a Bushman and you went outside your village mm -hmm. and you bumped into another Bushman, you would each hide behind a tree and you'd be like, hello, hello, my name is Jim. I'm the son of Sam. And then he would go, Sam the elder? No, Sam the uncle. And, and like, what you're trying to do is you're trying to find a common relative. And if you can find a common relative, you don't have to kill each other. Mm. That's how it was. Like, that's how it was. And if you went two villages away, everybody was dangerous to you. This is where racism originally comes from. Yeah. And by the way, you can tell the physical differences from one village to another. That's why racism has to do with physical differences. The more people look like us, the more safe we feel around them because the more likely we share DNA with them, the less likely they are to kill us. It's silly. I'm, I'm not justifying racism. I'm saying we have to now be conscious human beings and overcome this ridiculousness. But we have to remember that in their world, their world would never allow the complexity of our world where you and I, okay, when the lockdown's over, when you and I can get on a plane and fly to any one of 150 countries around the world or 180 countries around the world, and show them a little book with our picture in it and nobody will kill us. So yes, our life is complicated and there's some really great benefits in that complication. But I think also our nervous systems are quite simple and they come from a time more like the way the Bushmen live. Yeah. And so our nervous systems sometimes react badly to the complexity of our lives today. There's a complete uh, freeze fight flight uh, system that you're talking about, of course. Eh? All of it, yeah. Now. If you would go back, how young are you, Eric? Sorry? How young are you? 50. 50. What a great number. How, if you could go back with a DeLorean and you would meet Eric when he was like 16 or 18, you were just starting to go to, I don't know, high school, university. I don't know what it's called. What would you advise give to yourself? You know, I, this is such a common question that people put to me in interviews. And, you know, and I, 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 I hate to, I'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to tell myself anything, really. Okay. I wouldn't want to tell, I wouldn't want to give anything away. You know, life, life is meant to be the adventure. Like, it, w w that's like me saying to you, hey, Peter, 
if you could go back in time before you ever watched Star Wars, what would you tell yourself about Star Wars? Nothing. <laughs> I wouldn't tell myself a damn thing. I want to watch the movie. I want to enjoy it. And so, oh, oh, hey, Eric, if you could go back in time before you read the Lord of the Rings trilogy, what would you tell yourself? Nothing. I would just say, read it. Just read the damn thing. Now, with that said, with that said, maybe there's one thing. And that one thing would be, chill out, relax. Everything's going to be okay. That'd be about it. Well, that's, 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 that's a great answer. <laughs> ah. Now, um, I'm, I'm quite shocked, but not shocked by your I answer. I always feel like if you, if, you can, if you can make the interviewer speechless, you gave a good answer. That's, that's yeah, because... Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great one. Normally, it's it's two things, or they say literally answer the question, or they say no. But every step in the way is is a gift or a lesson, and that made me who I am. So I didn't want to miss a thing. But you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually quite speechless right now. Um, now, how do you how do you see yourself? I mean, I see videos about you about public speaking, about selling, about nutrition, about special effects. Who are you? How do you see yourself as, as an entrepreneur? Or you, you know, just, um, you also work for Tony Robbins, I believe? I, I toured with Tony for about a year, year and a half, uh, teaching uh, entrepreneurship and business and marketing and stuff at his seminars. It was a real a treat because he'd been such a big influence on me at the age of 18. So to be invited to come and teach on his stages uh, and to get to know him and, and develop a friendship was a real honor. A uh, really neat guy to work with, for sure. Um, how do I see myself? I think... Um, you know, I'm ultimately an adventure explorer, fun seeker. I believe that, you know, this, this whole thing that people have, like, you have to find your purpose in life. Peter, I have this very special coaching process that I do with people to help them find their purpose in life. Would you like me to help you find yours? <laughs> I could do it right now. Yeah. Are you ready? Yes, okay. I am. So now listen, and it's important that we maintain good eye contact for this. I'm just, I'm trying to get a feeling of who you are. Breathe calmly. I'm, it's coming to me now. I'm feeling it through the, through the ether, through the universe. It's Peter's purpose in life is coming through. It's coming through. Peter? Yes? Your, purpo your purpose in life is to enjoy it. Yeah. That's your purpose in life. Now, once you get that out of the way, then I believe it's really nice to find missions and maybe one mission for your whole life or maybe multiple missions that you take on over time. And those missions, as long as you enjoy them and you're passionate about them, then they're fantastic. But the first thing has to be, am I enjoying my life? Am I happy? Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point in any of it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, so that's how I feel. So I first of all see myself as a fun seeker, adventurer, hedonist. I'm here to enjoy myself. I'm here to eat good food. I'm here to have great experiences. And then I have some missions and they all come under one umbrella. And that is to help people have the highest possible quality of life that they can. Okay, great. <laughs> That's true. So what you're saying is that you are walking down a path and if that path is giving you positive energy, the things 
would, which give you that positive energy you're going to do. And if it's now about marketing, it's about business, about entrepreneurship, it's about wildman, it's about foods, it's about public speaking, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, again, you asked at the very beginning about, um, about like, food, right? Why, why was that such a big yeah. issue when you consider all the other things that I'm interested in? Well, yeah. the very first thing, the very first step in improving somebody's quality of life is to make sure that they're getting good quality air, that they're well hydrated with good quality water, to make sure that they're well nourished and they're eating good nutritious food, and to make sure that they're moving your body in appropriate mm -hmm. ways, to make sure that they're sleeping well, to make sure that they're getting appropriate levels of sunlight, and to make sure that they have physical contact and touch in their life. Mm -hmm. If you handle that, then you have satisfied the physical needs of the body, and now you can build. But if some of those needs are lacking, you're always gonna have weakness in the foundation. You'll have difficulty building your business, you'll have difficulty mm -hmm. managing a marriage, you'll have difficulty being a parent, you'll have difficulty being creative. If you handle those needs, then you can build upon that. And so WildFit is my mission to do that. It's, it's like, I am here to help people radically alter the relationships with food so they can have the most optimal health experience they can because everything they want is dependent upon that. Then there are other areas where I really like to help people. For example, I spent so much of my life terrified to communicate, terrified of public speaking, afraid of people. And so now one of my great, great privileges is to give people the gift of confidence and competence in public speaking, communication, online, you know, like speaking to a camera, all that kind yeah. of stuff, so that people can get their messages out to the world because that's also about your own personal freedom. And then because I've been lucky in business and I've made a lot of mistakes to earn that luck, but because mm -hmm. I've been lucky in business, one of the things I really like to do is to help people create what we call business freedom, where they have a company that operates in a way that the bigger the company gets, the more freedom they have. And, and because I, I actually believe that entrepreneurship practiced properly is like, it's like modern royalty. You yeah. can create a life like the old days of royals where you, you don't even have to go to work anymore and you can turn your attention to social projects. You can turn your attention to spending more time with your family. You can travel the world and live the way you really want to live. And so every time I take on an area that I want to help people with, it's because it's an area I've had to work with and it's an area that I perceive is going to help them have a better quality of life. Yeah. Now, last question. Um, what is then the next area after the wild fit? Are you going to... Optimize is the wrong word, but broaden the, the WildFit. Um... Yeah, I mean, WildFit is growing incredibly quickly at the moment because, you know, the, uh, quick marketing seminar. Number one marketing tip in the world, get people results. Like, <laughs> I'm kidding, but that is it, right? Like, when I now look at all of the businesses I've been in, mobile computing, data capture, uh, field service and repair, Hollywood special effects, 3D camera engineering, military research and development, medical simulation. Uh, when I look at all the business I've been in, they've all like that. I've been pushing, 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 pushing. With WildFit, I created WildFit and it's been pulling me ever since. Like yep. it grows. And I, all I'm trying to do is manage that growth. And so now the question is, is to manage that growth and allow it to become what it needs to become, what it wants to become, but equally to recognize where change is needed. And so, of course, we will continue to expand WildFit around the world. We now have clients in over 130 countries. We have coaches in 40 countries. We're having an impact. The Canadian government gave me a medal for the work that we're doing around the world. We're having an impact. And so I also, once people have gone through that WildFit process with us, they're always naturally asking the next question. And that is, what else can you help with? And so 
We started Speaker Nation to help people become comfortable with their communication. We started businessfreedom.com to help people with their entrepreneurship. And I have a bunch of other books planned. I'm, I want to write a book about parenting, not because I'm a parenting expert, but because I have a parenting perspective. When you have a child of 22 and another one of four, you get some perspective. And so I, my, all I'm really going to do is, as I work on my life and I find things that work for me, I'm going to share those things with the people who want to yeah. listen. But uh, because you're also associated with Mindfelly, I also assume that you know Dr. Shafali. Of course, yes. I interviewed Dr. Shafali on my show and we've spoken at some events together. Yeah, because the things you talked about parenting like 10 or 15 minutes ago, I found aspects of her, of her books and the things you're saying, eh? because I really believe, and I really believe what she is standing for. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Shafali, Shelley Lefko, Amber Trueblood, they are really, really great examples of different perspectives on parenting. And I've interviewed all three of them on a special program for our Thrive Time show because people were struggling with parenting during the pandemic. So I went and got the top parenting experts and said, let's go talk about parenting. And that's all I'm going to keep doing. I'm just going to keep finding the best cutting edge information. And here's my, if you want, like, you know, everybody's, well, what's your superpower? I think one superpower I might have is that I'm incredibly good at creating programs or delivering programs that integrate information and trigger transformation. So instead of it just being like, you know, you've been through Wildfit. It's not just like blah, 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 follow the rules. There are things that we do that trigger change in you so you don't have to do the work. And so I want to keep doing that, learning great stuff and then figuring out how to integrate that information in people and trigger the transformation so that when they arrive at the end of the whole thing, they go, that was fun. Yeah, but this- I'm talking about life. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But the thing I can say as a conclusion, I never had hungry and I never had like this, uh, how do you call it? I was irritated because, yeah, I needed something. No, it, it, it wasn't. Actually, the, the only downside on your complete program was the switch having daily videos to weekly videos. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You know, Peter, what's so funny is, you know how each week at the end, and I'm like, see you next week. Yeah. You know, but then in the final video, I'm like, and I won't see you next week. We no kidding have people writing to the help desk going, I'm in tears right now. I want more videos. And yeah, 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 that's, that's true. That's how education should be. I believe that the objective of every teacher, every transformer, every coach should be to create a long-term impact and a long-term relationship with the client. And so I'm glad to hear that that's your only complaint. So thanks, Eric, for the nice conversation. I hope you had a great time talking with the Belgian I did. It was super fun. And I wish you lots of success. And when, when you are in, in the Netherlands and Belgium, let me know. And I'm really happy to meet you. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Take care. Eh? Have a nice day. Eh? Thanks, Eric. Bye-bye.